Seth, give me a mic test. Test, test. One, two. Looks like we're plugged in. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Welcome to Copy That Radio. Copy that. Seth, what is this? Our podcast. And we are here to tell stories and share stories about life as a first responder. That's correct. I'm a retired firefighter, and you are? A retired police officer. I used what's to another, What's term. another word for Cop. that? Cop. Johnny Law, 5-0. Yeah, we'll skip the derogatory one. <laughs> so a cop and a hose dragger in a room together, telling right. stories. Yes, and we have guests. We have lots of guests lined up. Our friends from all over the country, actually. Seth is from California, where he worked at CHP, and I'm from Florida, Central Florida, where I worked for Lake County Fire. And we have guests that we worked with, guests that we know just from our connections, from courses, seminars, whatever, and then people we've just been connected with over the years. These stories are going to be incredibly entertaining, amazing, tragic, all of that wrapped into one. So uh, be prepared for occasional use of foul language. Um, and some tearjerkers. Some tearjerkers. Yeah, and definitely things can be said and told on here that you've probably never heard before. Uh, yeah, and and some some gruesome details. So, we'll we'll try not to have them all the time, but it'll be there occasionally. That's the nature of the job. So prepare yourself. Yeah. Well, that being said, welcome to Copy That Radio, and let's get started. You can find us at Copy That Radio on Instagram and Anchor.fm/slash Copy That Radio is our hosting platform for this show. You can also find us anywhere podcasts are popular: Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google. They were the hosts, a major podcast platform. Anything else? That's it. Enjoy. No. What do you do now, Seth? Oh, my job. My What's real your, job. What is your job? <laughs> I'm a real estate agent. Uh, I work for 10-8 Real Estate Team. Uh, we are located up in here, up here in Coeur d'Alene. What about you, Jared? Uh, I own a little training studio called Northland Strength in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and my wife has a little small private school called Northland Training Academy that we just launched. And we're going live next week, actually. Awesome. Sweet. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So that's it. That's us. That's who we are. That's what we do. And if you're ever up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, come visit us. Or you can just shoot us a message on any of the social channels. Let's talk. All right. Here's the next episode. Good morning, Seth. Good morning. Good to be back. I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty excited about today's episode. It's going to be fun. We have some things we're going to go over. We are going to go over a um, unit inventory. One of our listeners actually sent us a message and asked for that. His name is Darren. He's in Australia. G'day, mate. Is that how you do it? No? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to do it. Okay. I don't want to embarrass myself. I just made an That's ass of myself. Cool. No, you're good. Is it good? Yeah, it's all good. Okay. Anyways, he thought it would be cool if we went through like what our units carry. I guess he spent some time in the rural fire service in Australia, like fighting wildfires. That's awesome. And American fire trucks have always intrigued him, and he just want, also wanted to know about your trooper patrol cars. So we'll talk about that. And then we um, have some other things we're going to talk about. What are those things? So? <laughs> uh, I shouldn't laugh because some of this is no, it's funny. tragic and disgusting. Uh, we're going to talk about dead animals. Yeah. And the plethora of uh, species that we may find on the side of the road or in a vehicle or in pieces. Yeah, that's weird. Jared's got a really good one that we have some. It's mind blowing. One of my stories came up the other day about animals, about a specific animal, and 
we decided that we had a lot of those and we should talk about it. So we're going to talk about that after we go through uh, unit inventory. So Seth, will you lead us off? Let's do it. Oh, I brought a prop today again. What is it? I'll describe it. It's a uh, what a trooper would call a pinch book. Pinch book. A ticket book? Uh, it's a ticket book. I'm not sure where the term pinch book comes from. Is you're putting people in a pinch? Maybe. That's like offensive, that. Seth. I like that. Uh, this is leather. Mine's a, mine's a <laughs> trifold. Uh, I picked it up when I was in the academy. So it's, this is vintage from 2007. Uh, and this would contain my tickets. And I had like what we'd call like a ready ref, which is um, like a reference guide for uh, vehicle code sections and penal code sections that we might cite someone on the side of the road for. Uh, so one of these little pinch books would travel along with the trooper um, 24-7 when they're on duty and some guys get theirs engraved mine's not but it's clearly fairly well worn it is it is the uh, standard black police leather in a little trifold package with a uh, basket weave basket weave leather pattern and a brass a brass brass if i was a really good trooper i would have shined that but you know but i wasn't that good you're retired. <laughs> um, I, uh, if you ever worked the road with me, uh, one, I apologize, but two, you know that I was not ever a big ticket writer, um, much to the disappointment of my commanders. Uh, so it got some use, probably more than a city cop, but maybe not as much as some troopers out there who really like to hammer down. Yeah, some troopers are dicks. They are. Valid. Some firefighters are dicks, too. Less firefighters than troopers are dicks. That's a fact. <laughs> Did you, I, I thought of this the other day. I actually got to handle a fire hose one time. Is this a dirty joke? <laughs> no. No, I really did. I always wanted to. Um, so, yeah, one day we had like a small, uh, really minor brush fire. And, uh, you know, I was out in the middle of nowhere and I went up to that firefighter and said, Hey, bro, can I handle your hose? And I, I, maybe you don't know this, but firefighters love when dudes handle their hoses. So Well, they really love it when they get to let every cop fulfill their childhood dreams <laughs> and put out a fire. So uh, I, got to handle, I got to handle his hose. And, um, you know, the girth wasn't quite what I expected. It was one of the smaller hoses, but uh, it, it was still a good time. I was actually surprised, being serious now, that it did push back quite a bit. And it was like, you know, I don't know. How big a hose is that? A little one, one inch, maybe? One inch, yeah. Like for a brush fire? Yeah. Inch and a half? Okay. It was like the one on the front of the truck, like the quick one. On an engine or a brush truck? God, dude, I don't know. Engine? Like a big engine? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was kind of in the city limits. Yeah. be an inch and a half line. Okay. It, uh, it pushed back quite a bit, and it was cool. Um, I offered to let him shoot my gun in return, but he didn't take me up on that. I don't think the bosses would go for that. Probably not. All right, that reminds me, talking about your book. We are starting a patch board. Oh, yeah. Seth oh. brought in some of his stuff. I have a bunch of fire patches from units I've worked on and a few other ones I've collected. We're going to start a board. So if you are a listener, we would love to have a patch. If you are a first responder or know a first responder and can get a patch from your local department, we would love one. So we're going to make a big board here in the studio and we'll start sharing some uh, photos and videos of the stuff as it comes in. So if you'd like to send us a patch, you can send patches to our address 7680 North Government Way, Suite 2, Dalton Gardens, Idaho, 83815. That is the address of the studio. Challenge points also. Yeah, challenge points. Uh, cool. challenge points. I used to have a decent collection of some really rare ones from, uh, especially when I went to 
um, Ohio for the RNC. Yeah. And unfortunately, as you know, all of my personal belongings up in smoke. Burned up in a little fire. Yeah. So uh, I lost them all, but um, ah, that's water under the bridge. So if we can build some back up, that'd be cool. That's episode number two, if you haven't heard that. Oh, Go yeah. back and listen. Yeah. That, was, that tells a story that was about a good one. when he was working the campfire in 2018 <clears throat> and his house burned down while he was working. All right, are we ready to get on with it? Yeah. Do you want to go first? Do you want to talk about fire trucks? Everybody loves fire trucks. Everybody loves fire They're trucks. They're shiny. Um, they get washed every I'll day. I'll be honest. I didn't do my homework for this. I'm going to go by memory. <laughs> winging it. It's not winging it. I mean, I know it's there. But the other thing I need to say, there's a caveat here. Like every every department is going to be set up differently. Um, my department was, we did a fairly even split of urban and rural areas. So. You know, some of the engines farther out have different needs and the units farther in. And this also, I am not going to go over or account for any of the um, more advanced or special units like the special operations team I was on. It would take like hours to go through all their gear. They have multiple units that are set up for different things. They have a tractor trailer. They have a, a several utility trucks that are part of their uh, what's it, entourage, I guess. So we won't go over any of that stuff. That's endless. Maybe just a little bit, because I might ask yeah. a few questions. Because I'm yeah, well, we talk curious. about like stuff that's on there, but I'm not okay. gonna go through an inventory, like a door-to-door inventory of of the uh, tractor trailer technical rescue gear. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot. Um, and then also, we're not going over like a ladder or a tower. These are just like basic basic engines. Maybe. Um quickly like explain the difference between the types of trucks because they all look oh, red sure. and shiny to me. <laughs> They're all red and shiny. Alright, so the engine, a type one engine is your standard fire engine that runs around every town. Do they have the ladder on top at all? They have ladders. Like hand ladders? Yeah. Okay. That you put against the building. But okay. no, they don't have a, an aerial ladder. Okay. Um, ladders are designated by ladders or just the ladder and towers have the bucket. So they look exactly the same, except it has a bucket on the end. Yeah, a bucket is a tower, and a ladder is just a stick. Okay. I yeah. need, need visual references mm-hmm. for all this. And there's smaller ladders called quints. Come on now. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Quint, as in five. Okay. Um, so those are shorter ladders, and they're just made for like specific areas or different applications or like if a bigger tower is down a lot of departments their backup unit will be a shorter ladder just because they're cheaper and they might have an older one sitting around that's still in service do they make different sizes because i've seen some of that steer from the back too is that those are called tillers oh come on now yeah because you have to have a driver in the back steer that okay so yeah it's a tiller yeah (laughs) there's a lot of it's so many so many so many your average um ladder or tower company is going to be like 70 or 80 to 100 feet there are some that go over 100 like 105 115 maybe those are really tall um our ladder we used to have two at our department and they're down to one now um how many stories can that reach in a building it depends on how close you can park it's all about angles ah. so like if, if the foot, optimal a hundred foot platform can't reach a building that's 100 feet tall because it has to be out on a street somewhere mm-hmm. so it won't be it's not like you're not going straight up, but like five-story building or is that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, ladders are also used for rescue, like for technical rescue work, for rope rescue, or can even 
confined space or something sometimes to set up the bucket or the ladder as an anchor point over the hole or off of like a the edge of a cliff or an embankment. Or if a kitten climbed a really tall tree. No. Okay. No. We do not get at our department. We do not get cats out of trees. Common misconception. Because have you ever seen a dead cat in a tree? Valid point. Okay. Problem solved. And I used to tell people that, and they would get mad, but it's the truth. Uh, what about wildland firefighting? Is that a whole different game? It's a there? whole different game. Lots of trucks. Oh, those Excuse are the trucks me. that like with the lift, <clears throat> with the uh, lifted, like they're lifted looking, and they're all beefy and cool. Yeah, in structural departments, those are called brush trucks. Hmm. But in their technical classification, those are all types of engines. That would be like your average brush truck four by four with some big tires and a pony pump and a small tank on the back. That is a type four engine. Yeah. Still got it. You still got it dialed yeah. in. It's like you did that for a while or something. So type one would be the engine, like fire engine at the fire station in the city, and type four is that. And there's grades, <clears throat> all the other types between there and after that. Um, tankers, as fire trucks are water tankers, water trucks. They can be any size. Like you can have be a thousand gallons. It can be three thousand or five thousand. And we even had one art apartment that was a tractor trailer that was like nine thousand, I think. There's a lot of water rolling down the street. What's uh what's the cost of one of these monstrosities? Ooh, man, so that's a whole other game. There are commercial cabs and custom cabs. Okay. Commercial cab is like the Freightliner truck that you see DOT driving, like the standard commercial cab, motors in front, four doors, and then whatever's behind it is behind it. So you get fire trucks built like that. Or you can have custom cabs, customs are the big square nose wide fire engines. That's a custom cab because you build that cab to be what you want inside. Gotcha. Um, and those are, most cities run those because they're more efficient. They have a much shorter turning radius. So you're sitting on top of the front axle. Mm. Like you're sitting in front of it actually. How many guys can you fit? Do the, would one of those fit normally? Um, usually there's four seats in the back, three, four seats in the back, it depends. And two up front. Okay. Um, and there's also, there's squads and heavy rescues. Those are different as well. Um, <laughs> we can go all day on this. That's, that's yeah. incredible. That you guys had that much equipment and then you had to learn all that. That's one thing people don't understand. Like this, the amount of stuff you have to learn to be a professional firefighter is immense. Because you have so many different roles that you need to be able yeah. to perform. Under yeah, stress. well, just like showing up on a call. If there's, like, let's say there's six units on a call and there's three engines and three of the units are other types of units, you have to know at least an idea of where stuff is on all of them. Mm-hmm. Right, um, even if it's not your unit, if it's your second or third dude, might as well just give you guys a gun too, and then you do all of it. They are in some places. I've heard that actually. Um, yeah, a bunch of our guys. They went to uh, SWAT medic school. A couple of them actually went through LEO um, certification, like the whole training through the, for, through the state, and they are SWAT medics now. Be a jack of all trades. Actually, right I got to get my best friend on here. My best friend from the fire service. He is like the ultimate firefighter. He has done every possible thing there is. It, like, it, it's insane what this guy does. What's left after that? Um, I don't know. Hmm. Retire? Do something else? Yeah. Huh? But he recently got married. He's in his early 30s, or, or mid-30s now. And just got married, but um, he spent like the whole first 10, 15 years of his career going to school full-time almost. Dang. Um, we, we worked on special operations team together. We got promoted off the same list. Um, we, I think he got hired a year or two after me. He's younger than me. But we did a lot of stuff. We hunted and fished together. We did all kinds of stuff together. But he 
there's all kinds of weird little unique courses and certifications you can go to. He has all those. He is a certified law enforcement officer. He's a paramedic. He um, is a certified smoke diver. That's a that's a thing that not a lot of people know about. Smoke divers are that is a training program. It's a very um, immersive experience. It's very intense. Ooh. It's a couple. It's a few weeks long. Two, two or three weeks. I think it's two weeks long. There's only one or two schools that still do it in the whole country, and um, one is in Georgia, outside of Atlanta, somewhere there. So um, that's not smoke jumping, right? No, it's not smoke jumping. It's smoke, smoke divers. It's structural firefighting. Oh, but okay. it's it's like two weeks of learning how to navigate fires without all your gear. Uh, are you wearing like scuba gear? No, no, you're wearing your bunker gear. But like the scenarios are doing it without your SCBA, your bottle, your air pack, without your tools, without parts of your gear. It's a very like intense. It's probably pretty immersive. healthy for you too. Um, how, is it? So are you just learning to deal with the stress yes. and the panic response of going yes. into that? There's that. Um, you're learning how to train other people too. But um, like it's it's like. It'd be like the equivalent of a selection program okay. for the fire service. I got you. It's that intense. So you're basically like you're learning how to scuba dive through hell without the scuba gear? Yeah, but like the building, they actually do live burns for the training. Dang. So it's nuts. Like uh, some people go to the bathroom in their gears. It's like that. Wow. Yeah. Ah, that, I, I like that panic response of not being able to breathe and uh, so... I can relate to that through CS gas exposure. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible feeling when you're like coughing and choking and then your body's response is to breathe in harder and then you're coughing and choking more. It's like a downward spiral that leads to uh, unconsciousness. Yeah. Yeah, anyways. So my guy Dane, he did that a few years back. It was a pretty intense experience. Um, he is a, he's got all the technical rescue and hazmat training and certifications. Um, he's just a... He was about to start training with the sheriff's office to fly, to be one of the, um, what's the guy called in the helicopter that's not the pilot? The to run on the gear? No. Well, he's a medic, that's why. Yeah. But um, our sheriff's office doesn't do medic stuff. Some sheriff's office do run medics on their birds. Do they do? Ours does not. Um, do they do hoists and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Like, There's not a lot of need for that in Florida. But Oh, that's true. Um, but yeah, the guy that runs all the gadgets and the radar or the clear camera and all that stuff, like... He was, he was about to start doing that or apply it or something, and then his, he and his wife they just had their first baby. So, she was like, "Yeah, no." I love. I'm. I have a good friend that was a uh, medic on a CHP helicopter, and he's got some amazing stories. So we'll have him on. And they yeah. did. They did technical rescues in like Yosemite, um, up in the the mountains there. So it's nuts. It's really cool stuff. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. All that to say, we're going to have Dane on the show. We've got some good people coming Yeah, he's got some, got some good stories. So, um, we were talking about units and gear. What about, like, what uh, a firefighter would wear on a call, like, from the base layer up? Is this... Explain that. Let's go. We were talking about, um, well, first your clothes, your uniform, your duty pants, and whatever shirt you have on, right? Sometimes it's a t-shirt, sometimes it's a class A. It might be a job shirt, job shirt, with big, heavy sweatshirts with the denim... Uh, elbows there's like the most I've got like five of them still those are the most comfortable things ever hook a brother up Uh, yeah you can have one Um, put you on the spot Uh, is any of that stuff uh, flame retardant on the underclothes no no 
Okay. Some of it is, there's been some different um, coatings and stuff on your, right, like your duty clothes over the years, but generally um, there's been some like debate about whether that's good for you because it's in contact with your skin all day. Mm. Um, and then the, one of the other aspects of that, trying to build your day-to-day uniform like that is it's very heavy. Mm-hmm. Like that you could do a wool blend or something or some Nomex blend, but that makes it way heavier. So most departments just wear regular clothes. And then when you go on the call, you put on the turnouts? Yes, you put on your turnouts or your bucket gear, and you do some places down in Florida, especially where it's hot. I don't know if the Cali guys do this, but sometimes we'll see we'll see a whole engine crew like in the parking lot of Publix. That's one of our grocery stores down south. Um, like standing next to their engine, pulling their pants off. Like they'll, they'll wear the long Under Armour um, gear underneath, so they can take their pants off when they put their their bunker pants on, like their duty pants mm-hmm. off. So we'd be standing in front of the grocery store, stripping down, getting naked, like ripping off your class A, which is your, your like your button up with your badge on it. So you're ripping that off, so you get down to a t-shirt, and then you slide your pants off, and all the old women are walking by, like, what the heck's going on hey, here? I had a um, dream about this. <laughs> but it's just so you can be lighter and cooler in your bunker pants because it's you know it's Florida and it's hot as balls. So bunker pants and turnouts are the same thing. Yes, bunker okay. gear and turnouts are the same thing. And that is flame retardant. It is. It's Nomex. Okay. And uh, what about boots? Yes, boots are there's two options. There's rubber boots and leather boots. Both are flame resistant, but I mean anything can burn really. Oh yeah. So there's, there's that. Um, I always wear leathers because they're more comfortable. Um, they're easier to remove, maneuver in. I know there's some advancements in the rubber boots now. They're supposed to be good. Um, but there's zip up leathers and pull on leathers. The zip up ones. Like they have laces, but you have a zipper attached to the laces. So I always, just, yeah, I always like those. Up. Yeah, yeah, those are super. Man, I wore those for years, and before I switched to the pull-on leathers. Um, but yeah, so boots, socks are just whatever socks you're wearing. Um, if you have pants on, still Costco socks. You'll have pants on. Costco. Costco socks, man. Everybody's got those around. And Costco socks. Costco. Yeah, well, yeah, but the socks, the socks brand. Brand. they're not Costco six months. brand, but you get them at Costco, and all the other guys are wearing the same socks. You know, probably. Um, so there's that. Where we at? Boots, socks, pants. Yeah, you pull up your turnouts. You know, you have most most people run suspenders on mm-hmm. their pants. That's um, some okay. people don't. It depends on how more or less how um, fit you are, how lean you are. That's a def- so. If you're lean, you wear them. You can. If, if you're, you're fat, you have to wear suspenders. You have to wear them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're fairly lean and you have some hips and a butt. You can, there are cinches on the sides, you can just tighten those down. And some people prefer that because you're much more mobile that way. Mm. So, side note uh, fitness level of firefighters, what's your general opinion of that? Most are unfit. Unfit? Uh, not most. A lot are unfit. It used to be most, now it's not. Just, fit, fitness has taken a big turn in the uh, first responder world. So. I see them working out. When I go by a fire station, I live near a fire station in Coeur d'Alene, and uh, I see the guys out back just getting after it someday I'm, I'm like yeah get some they get their turnouts on and they're you know doing whatever they're doing and I'm, and that's cool like you don't see that that's what you want to see you do yeah you like I don't see a lot of police officers doing that um, no do you think firefighters are more fit than police officers absolutely yeah I would agree with that uh, personally I believe a lot of that's because of shifts like 24 hour shifts do allow you some sleeping time and you get to sleep on your days off but when like you cop on nights, you don't you know, like your sleep is wrecked. Yeah, if you're working twelves, uh, yeah. you and you have you factor in your, you know your, 
dressing up and dressing down time and your drive time, your sleeping time. It leaves you with like negative hours in the day to get anything else done. So right. workouts go go are the first thing to go usually. Workouts are gone, and then the sleep schedule. Like when it when it's that hectic or chaotic, you just can't catch up. Like physically, what that does to you as far as uh, your stress response and hormones and other things going on physiologically, it, it destroys you. And then you put on the weight. Then you have no choice. Yeah, I remember uh, many times having um, month month long. You know, we have like a natural disaster or uh, riots, and we're mm-hmm. on this mandatory twelve hour shifts for no days off for until it's over and you just get in this pattern of like okay i get up i go to work i'm like in a constant state of misery and no amount of caffeine or anything can fix it nothing helps <laughs> just like you get to a point where you're like i'm so fucking miserable there's nothing i can do about it and it's like demoralizing and sad and the only thing that like brings it up is that your friends and your coworkers are also as miserable and you just try to be a little less miserable than the next guy gotta be on the team yeah and that, that's it. Yeah, that's how um, fire seasons like that. Um, if you're working wildfires or natural disasters, like we'd have a week or two at a time where you just you didn't have a choice. Like you're working hurricanes or cleaning them up or whatever. Like it's just a, yeah. Well, we can talk about that for hours. You, you gotta you, you just kind of turn into a robot and just keep going through the motions. Yeah, medic schools like that. If you've ever been to paramedic school while you're working ooh, as a firefighter. Yeah, as a medic school is pretty excruciating. Um, I think it's like 15 to 18 months in most places. So it's a lot of school. It's a lot, but it's like it's full time school while you're working a full time job as a firefighter. So it's pretty intense. And potentially having a family. And having a family, yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of school when my wife, when we were newly married and my kids were young. Um, it's not good for the relationship. Yeah. Uh, let's jump back in because we skipped one of the most important features of a firefighter, which is the sexy hat. The what do you call it? What do you call it? What's the name for that? Um, helmet. Helmet. Oh, I thought it was going to be cooler than that. Lid, well, lid. Okay, lid. I was going to say yeah. lid. All right. Yeah, lid. Um, well, we skipped coat, so you put your coat on. Before you put your coat on, you got to put on your Nomex hood, so the hood that comes over your head. Does it just go around your, your neck, basically? Yeah, you pull it on. It's just, a, it's just like a normal one. You pull it on over your whole head. And then after you put your mask on, you pull it up over the back of your head. It covers all the back of your head and straps to the mask. And I bet those are nice in the summertime. They're probably not very hot. Oh, they suck. Oh, they just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, people that work in the Southwest and Southeast or even the Midwest where it gets really hot in the summer, um, it's not as bad there because they have seasons, you know, changes. But Florida, California, Texas, places where it's hot a lot of the year. I can't imagine. It's miserable. Um, so, yeah, you put your stuff on. So, you got boots. Your turnouts, your Nomex hood, and then you're gonna have your air pack. So, depending on what your department runs, that's like twenty to thirty-ish pounds. Is that like a scuba tank? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Same yeah, size or smaller? Um, it depends. You can have bigger or smaller bottles. Some there are some um, high-pressure bottles that are smaller now. Um, I don't. There's different man. You just got me on one. I'm forgetting the details around the bottles. Yeah. Uh, I want to say there's 4,500 bottles, and I forget the other ones. Dang. Other PSI? Yeah. I don't know. So there's, there's like, bottles are supposed to be 30-minute bottles, the normal ones. Um, your average person working, like, if you're actually working inside, like, doing physical labor, um, you're going to be at the 15 to 20 minutes on that 30-minute bottle. Do uh, so that blows right into your mask. 
yes, it's positive pressure. So if the seal of your mask ever breaks, it's just going to free flow air to protect you. And um, what about comms? Do you have communications through the mask? No, you don't. That's handy. Yeah, you have radio. So your radio, so this, we didn't get off. into all the accessories yet. So. Oh, yeah. So in order, you would go, you jump into your boots, which are sitting inside your pants, like pull your pants up. I've seen that. They're just sitting on the floor, right? Yeah, I've seen the guys do that. Pull your suspenders up, snap and button your pants, throw your Nomex hood on your head, pull your coat up, snap, button, Velcro, whatever your department has for um, coats. And then you are going to put your air pack on. You know, these are in the seats of the truck, so you're going to get out with your air pack on. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not in the truck, you're just going to throw it on. Um, then you have all the other things. You have your radio. Most people, most uh, firefighters run a radio strap, so it hangs around you. So it's either leather, leather or nylon strap that hosts your radio and your mic. So you have a lapel mic and your radio is down here on your side. So you don't have to like constantly be looking for your radio. Or you can just put your coats have a pocket for your radio where it sits right here and it clips to you on your lapel somewhere. Um, your radio, you're gonna have most, not most, a lot of people run belts, a tool belt with gadgets, cause you know, firemen like gadgets. Cause they wanna feel like a cop. <laughs> no, because you need more tools than you we, can carry you in your like pockets. A Leatherman, what else you got in there? Um, yeah, so my belt, well, they're all also rescue belts. Okay. Um, like if you have to jump out of a window, you can use that belt. As oh, a, to hang? Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of, well gear now I think it's mandatory now it didn't used to be but gear have to have a um, harness built into it a rappel harness so, so it's uh, in your pants excuse me you have a rappel harness built into your pants <laughs> no way yeah uh, what's it like so you could hook a carabiner into it it's just some kind of loop in there yep. yeah. that's cool yeah yeah it's just between your so there's layers your there's outside and inside layer of your turnouts so the, it's just sandwiched between there that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's heavy. It made our gear go up in poundage a lot. And then also in your coat, it's the same thing. There's a shoulder built in, I think it's mandatory now, built in shoulder strap for dragging. Okay. So it's behind, it'd be right here on your back. So your buddy can drag you out of the house yeah, if they need to. Yeah, between your, your air pack and your back. Um, just a little loop, you reach in there, grab it, and it's got loops that go around the person's shoulders and you drag them out. Two questions. Go. How long does it take to put on the gear? Like. In an emergency, um, you can do it in a minute or less if you're fast. Okay. If you're slow, maybe one to two minutes. Second question: Total weight when you're wearing air pack and everything. Um, well, we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, we're going through the belts. There's more. Yeah. So on the belt, um, typically there's going to be some kind of small rope bag, so like your emergency bailout bag if you have to jump out of a second or third story window. Like rope that you can repel. Rope with? and a couple carabiners. Yeah. Really? Yep. It'll be just a little pouch. It doesn't have to be that much, like 30, 50 feet, something like that. Huh. Um, typically, they're either in your pockets or on your belt. You're going to have one or two loops of webbing, flat webbing. Um, and that is for rigging up whatever, like anchor point if you had to, or looping around a victim or another firefighter to drag them out or to carry a person. So webbing will be there. You'll have wedges. Wedges are exactly what they sound like, little triangular wedges for chalking doors and windows open. Hmm. You will have some sort of cutting tool, knife, um, maybe a Leatherman. Uh, that's a Leatherman is a multi-tool for non-Americans. Oh, by the way, we forgot about that. Thanks, everybody. We have listeners in England, Norway, Greece, where else? Germany, Australia. Yeah. There was one more. We've gone international. 
That's so wild. So thank you all for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. That's great. We'll give you a shout out at the beginning of the next episode. We would love to hear stories from there if any of you are in public safety. Absolutely. Let's set it up. Yeah, we can even interview some of you. So that'd be cool. All right, back to your gear. So in your belt, in your tools. So this is not just your belt, but it's the pockets of your pants and your coat. There'll be a couple pockets in your coat and two big pockets on your thighs and your pants. Um, so we got rope webbing, wedges. A lot of people, this can also be in your helmet. You can have, there's a lot of rubber strap, guys that wear rubber straps um, around their helmet. It's a just a piece of inner tube, tire inner tube. Cut it and then you can put you can put wedges behind there, nails, it holds a little flashlight, like a little just cheap throwaway click button flashlight, just gives you extra light. Um, there's all, all kinds of stuff that goes in there. You can shove wedges behind the shield of your helmet. Um, but wedges are like one of the most highly valuable tools you can hmm. ever carry. Because if doors close behind you, then you're you can be really screwed. Or it's just a hassle like fighting a door that keeps closing on your hose lines or something like that. Do uh, you have pictures of yourself in all this gear? Um, some. They're actual. They're not digital because they're real pictures from Whoa. back in those days. They're so old. There are a few digital ones around. We should post some on our. We will. Uh, on I our was site. thinking about that. We need pictures of us. Yeah. Um, and then, what else? Oh, in your belt. Um, most people carry a. I forget what they're called. A big cutting tool. It looks like pliers. It's just two big curved teeth. Those to cut wires. Like if there's a roof collapse or a ceiling collapse, you're gonna be you get buried in ductwork and electrical wiring, and disgusting insulation and rat shit. And that too. And, uh, well, that stuff just lays on you. But <clears throat> ductwork, like from air conditioning or oh, heating, yeah. literally wraps you up. Like you, it's coiled, so it falls on you, and wraps around your tank, wraps around your legs, your arms, your helmet, whatever. Electrical wiring is the same way, so you have to be able to cut your way out of that. Yeah, and then what else could be in there? there could be, there's all kinds of weird little handy things like lock picking gadgets and, or door breaking gadgets. Like Some of that fits in your pocket, some of it, it has to be in a separate bag you carry. Um, and then your helmet, so your mask goes on, your hood pulls up, your helmet goes on. And then lastly, you have gloves. You have to put your gloves on after you put on all your gear. And Nomex, and Nomex gloves? Yeah. 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 yeah, well, no, there's a usually a Nomex layer, but the gloves are usually leather. Oh, that makes more sense to be durable yeah. on the outside. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's mostly it. And helmets, it could be, there's varying sizes and styles of helmets. You have the traditional, like, big wide brim one that everybody knows is a fire helmet. There's that. There's plastic and composite and leather versions of those. And then you can have the smaller turtle shell kind that everybody also knows. A bunch of cavity departments run only those. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with those. I don't think there's leather in those, but there's um, several composite versions of those. Do you, is that something you keep like that's yours to keep forever? It depends on your department. Do you still have one? Yeah, I've got several. We gotta hang one on the wall here. And I'll I'll hang my, I, don't know, I like them at my house. I don't want to bring them here. Oh, dude, they look so good. What them side by side? Trooper helmet, the trooper lid, and the yeah. I don't know which one. I have a so I have a nice leather. The leathers are called New Yorkers because they like most stuff comes from FDNY, like all the traditional fire stuff, gear, tools, whatever was developed there because they were the biggest, busiest place for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's spread out. Other departments are developing stuff now too. But you, I have a leather um, that we I bought it from one of my friends, who's chief. Uh, when he got promoted, he just bought another one. And sold me that one. You can strip them and refinish and repaint them. 
So yeah, we me That's and cool. I have, actually I have a picture of that. Me and Kara will get her on the show. My friend, she's a battalion chief now at another department. Uh, we grew up together and worked together for years in the fire service. Um, she had a shark land on her back one day. I can't wait to hear that story from yeah. her. She was surfing at the beach we grew up at over in Florida, and a spinner shark jumped out of the water and landed on her back while she was paddling. It was interesting. It tail hit her in the face, gave her a black eye. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we'll have her on. She's she's a hoot. She's wild. Um, but yeah, I would pick Kara and I, both three did. She was my boss at the time. We um, stripped and repainted our leathers together. And that's another thing, if you refinish your helmet, like tear all your stuff off, repaint it, clean it up, put new, the little, they have little shiny things on them. Mm-hmm. Those are called tetrahedrons. Um, oh, the shape. The reflective gotcha. things, you can use those or not. Um, most departments require them. But we, so you can clean your helmet, you can put new shiny things on it, reflective gear. You can put new, the if you have a traditional helmet, there's a shield up front a big tall shield with your unit your department or your unit designation number um, and then there's like an eagle that comes off the top of the helmet that holds the shield in place it's all brass all the hardware is brass on the helmets so Dang. you can replace all that clean it up shine it up if you have a leather you can strip it and repaint it <coughs> so we stripped ours repainted them and that's kind of like a guarantee thing not a guarantee but if you work somewhere busy like when you get new gear or new something you want to break in and you Put it on the rig or on your person you're gonna get fires so mm. we both stripped and refinished our helmets got them all pretty and shiny and then we like within that first week we had three or four working fires get all sooty and got all nasty nasty it's good though it's fun that's why you do it street cred yeah. you gotta have that definitely gotta have that <laughs> so i have that helmet i have my first helmet from when i got hired um and then i have my uh, red helmet from when i got promoted Oh, so yeah, a red one. Yeah, lieutenants wear red. Really? Yeah, lieutenants and captains wear red. I got chiefs wear white. Firefighters wear black or yellow. Okay, that's cool. Or orange. Probation. Some places make probationary firefighters first year firefighters wear orange just to identify them. Mm -hmm. Cool. Total weight. Are we there? Is that everything? Well, yeah. So total weight for me. And my gear? Well, because like, I'm gear. bigger. Yeah, you're bigger. Well, like I'm, I'm six four, like average in, in the fire service. I probably average like two forty in my time there. Two thirty, two forty. Your body weight? Yeah, body okay. weight. So there's a time I was leaner. I was down to like two hundred five, two ten when I was super lean. Um, and then there's there was a time when I was a little fat. I was heavier, probably like two seventy. Um, so I'd say my average time there was about two forty. So me plus all my gear. This is also not counting. We didn't go over like what tools you carry. You carry tools, hand tools. Oh yeah. So a roof hook and a halligan are the two primary tools. Axe would be third, or a maul. Some people carry a maul. I had a maul for a while that I carried. So you can loop those tools, like the maul or axe, you can have on your belt on your person, and you can carry the other tools if you want. Um, so me plus all my gear plus hand tools would be like three fifty. Whoa. Yeah. Hauling that around all day. It's a lot. That's yeah, like you, if you have a busy day, that shit gets old. I bet that's good on your back. No, it's horrible for your back. Really? Yeah, and your knees and everything. Shocking. Yeah. Man. But most, I mean, most people don't wear it that long because most departments aren't that busy. That's why you guys have nice recliners and big TVs and professional kitchens. I know it now. Yeah, that's part of it. 
Well, let's, let's go back in the truck, though. We're supposed to be talking about trucks. Well, so yeah. that's what you wear on your person. <laughs> and that's all in one little compartment on the truck. Wow. So, yeah, in the cab of an engine, you're going to have all kinds of crazy stuff. You, you're going to have, like, all your books, clipboards, map books, whatever, computer, um, whatever MDT, mobile data terminal, runs your, or your department uses. You're going to have your air packs. You're probably going to have a few hand tools. You're going to have some other random stuff shoved under the seats, maybe some extra gloves, boots, stuff like that, masks. Snacks. Definitely have, oh, some people keep snacks not in the cab, but yeah. You know what? I, I always appreciated the firefighters where I worked. They always had cold water in a cooler. Yeah, that's in one of the compartments. That was awesome because yeah. you'd, be you'd be out doing traffic control for hours in the sun, and I'd run out of water, and they're like, here you go, water and Gatorade. And I was like, that's it. Dude, yeah. they are um, truly the lifesavers. <laughs> and then in the front bumper, usually there's some, so there's tools. The hydrant and hose tools are called spanners. The wrenches you turn, usually spanners and a mallet at each end of the truck, front and back. Just because you can't be, when you need those things, you can't be running around. You need them like right now. Um, and then in the front bumper, there's usually a, it's called a trash line. It's an um, inch and three quarter hose line. I said inch and a half over there. I mean, inch yeah, and a quarter. That's the one I handled. Yeah, yeah. There's different sizes. You, I mean, you can have all sizes. The standard engine line that you see guys dragging around putting fire like into a building is inch and three quarter. So the big ones, though, does that mandatory to have two people hold that? No. Because those things must push. They do, yeah. That's a two-and-a-half-inch line. Those are, those are massive. Yeah. Um, you can even run a three-inch line like that if you have the, if your department set up with the nozzles for it. But that's a lot of water and a lot of force. I just thought of a public safety message that would be good to get out. Go for it. And correct me if I'm wrong here. Don't ever drive over a fire hose when it's out. No, don't drive over a fire hose. That reminds me. I got to have Danny on here. One of my very good friends from the fire department is actually the guy that got me into the fire service. Probably, I mean, there were a couple friends involved in that, but he was the primary one. Um, he's a chief now at our department. But when he was a battalion chief, still working shifts, a drunk guy started driving laps around a house that was on fire while the fire crews were going in and out of the house trying to extinguish the fire. Florida. Florida man. Like, yeah, Florida man's real. And when you work there, you get to see a lot of Florida man. Uh, so this guy, was, he was hammered drunk and decided he wanted to drive laps around the house. I think it was his house, if I remember right. Um, and he started running over the hose lines like while the crews were inside fighting fire. That's a no-no. That's all bad. It's like almost, you could almost argue, argue deadly force. Well, since we're firefighters, we don't have guns or weapons other than our hand tools. Um, like on his next lap around after he hit the hoses, Danny ran up to the driver's side window and bashed the dude's face in with his leather helmet. So he took his helmet off? Took his helmet off and smashed, smashed broke the dude's nose. Smashed his face? Yeah. Awesome. Something like that. I don't know if he broke his nose, but he smashed He stopped driving in circles and running over the hose line. So he hit And then he got arrested. Well, perfect. Yeah. This is a good, this is a win. It is a win. That's a good, that's a don't good Don't be win. an asshole. Yeah. Don't. I mean, because whatever crews are inside the house, they're, now their lives are in danger because you're being an asshole. I've had firefighters help me out when I'm fighting someone combative, and I'm, I appreciated it. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that, too. There. Yeah. There have been plenty of fights. Yeah, it's great. Helping law enforcement. Um, or people get, they just get crappy and want to fight the firefighters sometimes, too. Yep. That's, that. that's a pretty common thing. I've been hit, kicked, people try to bite me, stuff like that. It's nasty. Peed on. Um, I've had plenty of bodily fluids. Nobody's ever peed on me on purpose. Like, 
Anyways, back to the trucks. So your first compartment, when you leave the cab and head backwards, sometimes there's little compartments under the cab. There's going to be like uh, cribbing for cars. When you have to do an extrication, you have to crib the car, stabilize it. So is that like an airbag? Could be airbags. Um, Most engines don't run airbags. Mostly that's going to be a squad or a tower or some kind of uh, heavy rescue unit, like a special operations unit will run airbags. Some engines do have airbags. But just wooden cribbing. Oh, like just chunk, blocks. chunks of wood. Yeah, okay. chunks of wood, wedges, stuff like that, to stabilize cars. Um, usually, there's a couple. It might be a short section of uh, five inch, which is the supply line that comes from the hydrant. Maybe a few hand tools, like a mallet or something else. Whatever. I mean, every department is different, but this is just like a general idea. Then you have the pump panel. That's where the engineer stands, the driver stands, and manages all the water flow. Um, those that, look. Those look very complicated, by the they're way. They're very complicated. Okay. Um, yeah. To. Most departments require um, a hydraulics course to run that. Some don't, but yeah, some states even have a mandatory certification to be an engineer. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it works in every state. Some do. And then <clears throat> behind that is the engineer's compartment, and that is all the tools necessary to manage what that person, what the engineer needs to do. The driver needs to run the pump panel. Um, there's endless stuff, man. There's There'd be some little cheat sheet graphs and charts, like for water flow calculations and other things. Um, there'll be things like uh, grease pens to write on stuff, like if you need to mark something on the panel or whatever, or on, on a chart you're using. There'll be things like a bunch of random sections of ho- like shorter hoses just to fit. You have to be able to make connections to any kind of different thing? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's endless adapters, there's adapt like reducers, male, double male, double female couplings, adapters go to all kinds from different sizes for every size. I mean, um, there's endless things that go on hydrants or gadgets, like uh, there's one thing called a water thief that allows you to flow more water. It's just a big, it looks like a giant boat anchor thing, but it has several valves and um, pathways for water, like piping for water. Um, there's stuff like that. There's all kinds of gadgets like that. Are you? Is, does do they have the capability of like pumping out of a pond or something? Oh yeah, so yeah. They can... That's on the yeah. That'll be mounted on the side of the truck. Okay. Those are big. They, that's a hard plastic tube. Um, and for that, there's either a lot of those places you'll have a fixed. It's called a um, dry hydrant. So it's just dry until you start drafting out of it. It's just a pipe out of the ground, like in a boat ramp. Mm-hmm. And it goes down into the ground and way out in the lake somewhere. Oh, so you just hook it that and pull it right you out. You can, there. yeah, if it's not clogged, yeah. as long as your department, right? Somebody checks them regularly, um, and then you can. There's um, floats that you put, like if you can pull up to a boat ramp and put the float out there, you can draw straight off the water. Okay. There's a float strainer. It has a strainer and a big plastic float that holds it up. Um, you can draft. It's called drafting. When you draw water out of something that's not a hydrant, it's called drafting. Well, yeah, there's a whole science to that too. Um, so that might be there. Those things for drafting. Um, usually they're big and bulky, so it'll be somewhere else, like up top. There's little little bins up top around the hose bed you can store stuff in. Then the next compartment. Um, this depends on your department, but typically that next compartment's going to have. Like the water cooler, you mentioned that. Oh, yeah. That's where we would run our coolers. The Gatorade um, in there? Yeah, some water, maybe some Gatorade or whatever. Some people do snacks in there on their shifts. It doesn't, 
it depends on the the unit and the department really that's all like personal stuff um, there's just gonna be in that rest of that compartment there's gonna be more tools maybe a rope bag like utility rope not rescue rope um, maybe there could be a chainsaw or a concrete saw circular saw maybe there could be some of your um, electrical saws like a sawzall or something like that um, just tools in boxes mostly and then the next department back at our department was a um, <clears throat> excuse me man we had it was generators oh. so we have lights electric cords like extension cords are they mounted in the truck yeah they're, they're, per, they're mounted you can take them out but it'd be just a little portable generator Okay. Um, and then like a sawzall, maybe some extrication tools would be like, not your hydraulic tool extrication tools, but other extrication tools, um, lights. Yeah, I've seen cords. light light towers are super handy when they pull yeah. those out. Yeah, some have towers. Most are just like flood, like floor lights. You just little oh, okay. ones you sit on the floor because you can hang two or three of those in that little in the little top side of that compartment on our engines. Um, and that's the other thing. It depends on the size and depth of these compartments. So it can you can have so much more stuff. Then going around the back. You'll have, um, oh, so that, I forgot this, that second compartment I described is over the wheel, the back wheel. Mm. So that's a higher compartment, high side compartment. Uh, then you go to the back. That is where most departments run their extrication gear. Some run it on one side, on the right side, because it's closest to the side of the road. Uh, we ran ours in the back. So these are the generator, extrication gear, anything like that is gonna be on slide out trays. Okay. Um, you know, I just messed that up. Generators were on the other side. Ah. In that compartment was our positive pressure ventilation fans, a gas-powered fan. That does that have like a tube attached to it, or you just nope? You put it in the front door or out a doorway. There's a certain like distance it has to be to make it work, but it's to blow air into a house to either clear smoke or push help push fire in a specific direction. That sounds complicated because I it's feel like you could also fan the fire right and make it. Oh yeah, you can definitely mess that up. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, and then chainsaws going there with that, all the gas power stuff it lives together in that back section um, so yeah PPE fan chainsaw circular saw and like bar and chain oil all that kind of stuff could be there you could also put the chainsaws up high in the high side which is what we did on the other side um, so our circular saws were there with some other tools and you guys have way more stuff than a cop car just lots of stuff it's gonna yeah. be a little quick so when you get to the back mind. roll up compartment um, up on the back of the engine there is, there's gonna be several um, additional valves, like a three-way valve or five-way valve to flow water. So you, you drop it, like you take it out and put it where you want, and then you can run multiple lines off of it. Like mm -hmm. if you have a bigger supply line that comes in and smaller hand lines that go out, there might be a couple of those. You're gonna have some spanner wrenches and mallets, like your hand tools for managing hose lines. You're gonna have all the hose that feeds off of the back. Um, you know, your five inch supply line or four inch supply line, whatever your department runs. You're gonna have a two and a half inch um, hand line. You're gonna have some two and a half or three inch supply line also. Um, and there are there are requirements for these things to be classified as a certain type of engine. You have to have so many feet of all these hoses, so many gallons of water, so much potential to flow. So that's what determines how much of that you have and then your department can rearrange it or add more as they want. So like a thousand feet of supply line is the standard of five inch. That's a lot. That's a lot. 100 foot sections of big yellow five inch hose. Those things are heavy. Dang. Yeah. Do you keep it coiled or like? 
No, at least flat. Flat, okay. Yeah, at least flat. Um, there's different ways. You can lay flat or vertical. Some apartments are vertical. Um, it just depends. Our kids are out there waving at us. <laughs> uh, at North so Training Academy. That's it. And then in the, that compartment, you roll up, and most people run <coughs> their extrication gear like that. So there's the power unit, the power plant for the extrication gear. It's a hydraulic unit. It's a gas-powered hydraulic unit. Um, I, I think there's some battery stuff coming out. I'm not sure how that's going. So they pull that unit out. I'm trying to recall seeing it used. Uh, they'll pull the unit out, set it next to the vehicle. They're okay. doing extrications. Uh, we have reels. We have hose reels. Okay. So hydraulic hose reels that reel off. Um, most departments have those because they're very easy to manage. Hmm. It's a lot more. It's a lot of work to get that unit out, get it set up, and then you have rolled up by hand reels of hydraulic hose you have to plug in like if you have a hydraulic reel you slide the tray out that the unit sits in fire it up and just pull the reel out you have like 150 feet or 100 feet of hydraulic hose that what goes a, to your tool what tool you guys have the jaws of life the jaws of life are called spreaders spreaders yeah um, and else? then you have cutters cutters and spreaders and then you have a ram Oh, that's like pushing something apart. Yep. Okay. Yeah, like if you're going to do a dash roll and roll a dash off of somebody's legs, um, you're going to make certain cuts and then put the ram in place to push the whole dash forward. Crazy. Spirits won't go that far. Yeah. And then the rams are crazy. They can get crazy long extensions. And there's, like I said, there's a bunch of different variety here. Like you can have different sizes, different lengths, different power outputs, like different force production. It, it all depends on how big your power plant is and how your tools are set up. Those are the three standard tools, spreaders, cutters, and ram. There are combination spreaders and cutters, like where there's teeth inside the spreaders, those suck. Mm. And there's a bunch of more specific um, specialty tools that you can also add into that mix that are hydraulic. Those things are so, I, they must have been a game changer when they came around because oh, yeah. I've seen them used so many times mm -hmm. and I don't know what else you would do if you didn't have those. Yeah, um, there's just a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot of people say because of those really because they were yeah. before they were just trying to cut cars up with hand tools did you ever use them for any type of shenanigans no okay no that's not something you play with like you can play with hoses and do silly things and spray people with water but you like there's no there's no fun that you could have with high, slow moving hydraulic tools I mean you could like crush shit around the firehouse uh, oh yeah guys would I mean you're not supposed to I don't mean like on scene I mean, you're not like, supposed to do that I mean, some guys would test it to see if it would break something or whatever um, they're yeah, not meant for that now we're getting the real story this is what, this I, is what well I never did that my crew never did that like, we were pretty serious about our profession um, you've heard some funny some stupid fireman stories <laughs> I've got some of those too stupid human tricks that's another <laughs> episode I'll tell you a quick one one time I watched a guy chug 44 ounces of maple syrup. No. Yeah, dude, he went full on into a diabetic coma. He's <laughs> laying on the back patio, just dying. Oh, I'd love, uh, we got to calculate how much, how many grams of sugar that is. That's it's a lot. Insane. Yeah, big gulp, you know, several of them, big gulp. Cup. Okay, now here's a question. Was it like real maple syrup or was it like Aunt Jemima? Maple uh, flavored, flavored corn syrup. Oh, yeah, it was maple flavored corn syrup. Oh, gosh. Dude, he got oh, wrecked. Man. Totally wrecked. Same I probably guy. just wrecked him later on, too. Same guy did a bunch of those challenges. Good for him. And you need people I mean, well, like that. What happens is people throw money on the table and like, yeah. At shift change, you got a bunch of people there. Like, Pony up. Yeah, there's a lot. I'll tell you, we'll have challenge, like food challenges. That's another episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got some good ones for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> Sam. Let's say that everyone Sam's here. He's an expert in this field. Bubble gum. <laughs> Banana splits. So, where are the back? So, you got all your hydraulic tools, your hose reels, if you have them. Some people, like I said, 
they'll run their hydraulic stuff off the right side because it's closest to the side of the road. Yeah. Um, but we ran all of ours off the back. So all your hoses. There also are some hand tools up there, like your pipe poles, the big hooks that you use to pull ceiling on or pull roofing off. A lot of those slide uh, straight out the back because you have you have to have a certain number, like a 10 footer, 12 footer, I forget the sizes, but you have to certain sizes on your units. Uh, most people carry, like we all carried our own six foot roof hooks because they're way better. Um, and then our department ended up sort of buying metal roof hooks because the old the other option of their fiberglass handles with metal ends and they mm -hmm. suck. So whatever tools like that that are long and need to slide straight in and straight out, um, they go. There'll be also there'll be tubes for those in the back, and there's also going to be your hard suction back there. That's where you're, gonna, you're either going to pull your hard suction straight off the side or slide it out of a tube so it goes out the back. Uh, side question: When you yeah. guys are going into a house that's fully like fully golfed or whatever, do you kill the power to the house? Try to. Yeah. Is yeah. that like one of the first steps? Yes. So you don't get yes, shocked? that is one of the as you whoever's doing the walk around the 360, um, that is their job. It could be a, usually it's the first in officer, first in mm -hmm. lieutenant or captain, or if like the chief gets there first, they're going to do that. Um, sometimes it depends on the size of the building and the fire actually like what's going on. But the first person that does that walk around is supposed to do that. Uh, you can't always do it; it's not always accessible. It doesn't always work. Like people have a, lots of buildings have extra power run in like from some homemade nonsense, or if it's a really old building and you don't know where all the all the boxes or meters are, mm -hmm. all the switches. Um, there's an old way where people used to pull the meter. They would literally rip the meter off. That's not allowed anymore because you can't get electrocuted. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. That's what the old guys used to do. They just grab the big glass front of the meter and rip it out. Old school. Yeah. Sometimes it's the best way. <laughs> Maybe. The same with cars. You guys would kill the, cut the... Yeah, batteries. yeah. If you're, you're going to cut a car, you have to cut the, you just cut the cables. It's a whole different game with the hybrid stuff now. There's, oh, yeah. mul there's multiple points you have to secure before you can start cutting. Um... But yeah, you got to make sure the power sources are all DC'd, disconnected. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. So we're going to move on to the pastor side of the rig. Uh, now we're going to be into the generator and the lights and stuff, the two compartments that got mixed up. And those are interchangeable. I think I want to say like we move those around sometimes. Like when we get new engines, a new series of engines coming. We had like 20-some, 25, 26 stations, I think. Now I don't know where we're up to. Oh. Um, so you're always ordering new units every year. You get a couple new units, and if, if it's a new unit, like the setup's going to be a little bit different. And some of them are even some of the engines are even specialty. Like if they're out in a more rural area, we have a different unit for out there than we do for our units that are in the cities. So the layouts can be varied, but this is general. So you have your electrical stuff, lights, extension cords, maybe an extra saw, sawzall, like any electrical powered hand tools that you're going to use to cut stuff will be in there, and then. The next compartment would be your high-rise pack. So you're gonna have a kit that is, um, it's 100 feet of hose, a two-way, a Y adapter. Mm. So you can run two lines off of it from a, from a, a one supply line to two hand lines. Um, a couple spanner wrenches, some webbing, some other stuff. That's all gonna be rolled up in a pre-built pack. So you can take it either into a building or up to like the second, third floor and set it up. And then you're gonna have all your hand tools in the rest of that compartment. Um, axes, crowbar, what else? Any, usually that compartment's shorter, we're back in the high side, like the one above the wheel. That compartment is not that long, it may be like four or five feet long. So any hand tool that will fit in there is gonna be in there. Some are like laying in a tray, some are mounted to the actual wall of the compartment. 
And is everything like perfectly organized generally? Generally, if your I mean, if your station's good, your crews are good. Some crews suck and mm-hmm. don't care about that, and they'll let things get messy or dirty. Um, if your department or your station follows your cleaning schedule, it'll be like it'll all be organized and clean. Um, and then moving. Oh, also, I forgot between the wheel well and the compartments, there's going to be tubes that hold your extra air bottles. They're just shoving like fire. You, every extra space has like a little compartment that holds something. So there's a little, little open space there. That's where the slide tubes are for the air bottles for your air packs. Hmm. And then the next compartment is typically your in most almost every department your medical compartment. That's where most fire units have paramedics now. The majority do. Um, even if you don't have paramedics, you have EMTs. And the difference between EMT and paramedic is in Florida. There's EMT, um, B, it's basic, I, it's intermediate, meaning you can start IVs and do some basic drugs and it advances the most advanced, meaning um, even some places, um, advanced medics can do RSI, rapid sequence intubation, meaning you can put people down to intubate them. So like, wow. the advanced stuff <laughs> depends on your department's medical protocols. Um, so did they have medications on the truck? Yep. Were they like in oh, a yeah. locked compartment? Yeah. Or? yeah, it's all locked. All, they all have morphine, um, whatever other, Valium, Versed, all the other controlled substances are all under lock and key. And only the on-duty medic has that key. Hmm. Yeah. So in your medical, that, that locked box is in your medical compartment. And then and there's a whole host of other drugs that are locked too, but... Those are the good ones. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's different department to department. Some people don't use the same drugs as other mm-hmm. ones. Um, by the way, that's a whole other thing. All of that is just an experiment. Did you know that? Uh, explain. Uh, drug protocols. Emergency medicine drug protocols oh. are all experimental. Really? Yeah. They're tested in busy places. So, when new protocol, like, every couple of years, every year or two, new protocols are coming out for um, dosages for drug usages for for this drug versus that drug. You know, it's studied somewhere else and then it's tested in the streets, and then it gets pushed to more places. Crazy. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, they're dying anyways. Like. Yeah. We're, we're we're talking about not not like experimental drugs. We're talking about adjusting the dosage of um, <clears throat> dopamine or morphine or whatever you're giving the person. So. Gotcha. If there's evidence suggesting one way, it'll be tested in a certain area, and then it'll be rolled out nationally later. That's or, good that there's a constant evaluation of that. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So you're back in the medical department, you can have all your in your medical bags. Uh, you have your cardiac monitor or your AED. Like every, even first responder. So first responder is a name, but it's also the the most basic medical classification there is. Yeah. It's a one-week course on, like, here's CPR and here's bandages. So even departments that don't have EMTs or medics have AED. Everybody can run an AED. So that'll be there. Um, have your medical, like, your basic jump bag is a big bag. It'll have oxygen tank, tons of, like, endless bandages and other things. It'll have some basic airway stuff, like... Um, nasal cannulas or breathe a mask or like basic oxygen things it'll have some glucose and the the non-regulated drugs will be in there mm-hmm. um or the non-controlled substance drugs will be in there and then um you'll have a separate box or a bag that has a 
like all your drugs, Pelican box, like the yellow Pelican box with all your other drugs, all your extra needle. In your main jump bag, you'll have a couple sets of IV supplies and kits to do things, but you run out. On scenes, you run out of that stuff and you have other boxes and bags full of that stuff. If like, so if you guys roll up and there's the paramedic or the highest trained guy would do most of it, but yeah. you guys were all capable of doing something. Well, you have to, I mean, you have to get it all ready for them if you're not that guy. Yeah. So like, you have to be the one opening everything, setting it up, planning it, like laying it out for them to use because they're working their hands on with the patient. What about like CPR? Is it like low man gets stuck with that or? With compressions? Yeah. Um, typically in the beginning, because there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. Like the least valuable person gets stuck on compressions or a bystander. How many times have you done CPR? Hundreds. Really? Yeah. How many times successfully? A few. I'm zero for four personally. Oh. Yeah, we have. I mean, we have. So where we were, there's a we have. Our county has a pretty high volume of trauma, hmm. and then we have a very large population of retirees. Like Florida is where all the retirees go, so we have a bunch of trailer parks and 55 plus communities that are all retiree based. So we've done CPR between. I mean, between 14 years on the trucks. And all your schooling, EMT and medic school and all that stuff, um, and all your clinical time in the hospitals, I've done it more times than I could count. It's, it rarely fun. works. Yes, rarely I mean, you works. Just, you just get really good at breaking ribs. <clears throat> yeah, so that, uh, that crunching feeling is like, the first time you experience it, you're like, holy shit. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's that medical compartment, and in there, the, like depending on what your department does, how aggressive they are with their um, protocols. So your protocols are written and created by your medical director, not by your department. Every county and city have a medical director and they are in charge of the protocols. So what gear you carry or have is determined by what your protocols are. Um, so the, that compartment could have endless amounts of things. Mm -hmm. Like you have a whole separate airway bag kit if you're gonna do innovations or crikes or whatever. Um, Crike, is that when you're punching a hole through their trachea? trachea? Yep. Ah, that's right. I, see, yep. I remember something. I was an EMT once, too. Right. Believe it or not. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel that spot's called you dig around, find the spot, and slice it open. Yeah. Shove a tube in. Uh, never yeah. had to do that. I did have to give CPR to a guy with a stoma once. Oh, that sucks. That's yeah. Gross. That's gross. It was a learning experience. Yeah. Stick your finger in the hole. Why do you have it? Uh, probably a smoker. He was old and yeah. gross. Yeah, um, usually those things are there's some gunk in there. It's yeah, nasty. it was just yeah, it was, it was um, all bad. He got stabbed. Yeah. He died. Yeah, there's a um, there's a whole list. Like we do, <clears throat> some departments don't do this. We did and still do um, IO access, intraosseous um, IV access. So you drill through their bone to put a line in their leg. Dude, no. Yeah, I saw a video on Instagram of some quack doctor doing it to himself. Like it, it doesn't hurt. I've seen people wiggle around. It hurts. I hit my shin on the coffee table and it hurts. Yeah. You drill yeah. a hole in there. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that's another, like, if you can't get IV access, that is a way, a very quick way to get access for drugs and fluids. You can't run that as much fluids through the bone as you can in an IV, like in a vein, obviously. But you can run some, and you can definitely run drugs through there. Yeah. So some farmers do that. So you have all, that's a whole separate kit. You have all separate. Um, pediatric everything, pediatric bag, pediatric airway, everything is separate for them because it's different. Everything's different. Dosages are way different. Drugs are different. Sizes of everything is completely different. 
that's all separate. Did you ever deliver a baby? Um, like catch one myself? Yeah, not your own kids. No, no, ever happened for you? Yeah, guys? I've been on those. I've never been. I was never the person that like stood there and caught the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of your part of medic school. You have to do that. Like spend so many hours in labor and delivery, so you're just part of it. But and I was just never like the guy sitting there on the on the floor of the back of the ambulance catching the baby when it comes out. I've been part of I've been part of several deliveries. Hmm. Um, it happens. It does. Yeah. I've, I've come close, but not had <laughs> to you, thankfully. Yeah, I don't want to be part of that. No, it's a lot of responsibility. It is. Yeah, it's kind of gross. There's that too. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of work, really, because you're caring for the, both patients, the mother and the child. It's mm-hmm. like when you're the care provider, it's a lot of work. And then usually if it's an emergent setting, it's not, a lot of times it's not just because they're having the baby, like something else happened or caused the labor to start. Mm. So it could be like, it could have been a traumatic event or something. So there's a lot of factors when you're on the EMS side of that, that I just, that's not a game I like to play. Agreed. Um, yeah. So like I said, all the pediatric stuff and you have, if you have some kind of um, specialty medical stuff it'll be there um, like we even have pet masks for oxygen like for dogs and cats when you pull them out of a fire get out of here no those exist we have a little bag with those um, there's all kinds of, it's just endless stuff man endless stuff <laughs> and you're expected to know how to use all of it all of it right very, now very well right now with people screaming at you yeah and, <clears throat> and things on fire or blowing up around you yes I don't think you guys get paid enough oh that's very true I mean some places they fire make it paid well Firefighters make a lot of money. Um, like California does well. South Florida, even most of Central Florida does pretty well. Um, still, probably I think should be more. But that's that's another story. Like if you if you added up all the requirements, all the knowledge, all the certifications, continuing education, licenses, training, and you liability, could, <laughs> liability, um, not counting like the the harm and the stress and the trauma you experience. That's a whole other thing. But just just the requirements to do your job, that same job in a corporate world would pay a lot more money. Yeah, it would be like five jobs. That's why. Yes, it's a lot of jobs. <clears throat> um, so yeah, there's that. That's just the stuff you like on your truck. You have to use. It's not counting any of the knowledge you're supposed to have or um, things you're supposed to understand. Oh, systems and processes you have to know. Like it's it's a lot. So we're still going under the... Yeah, yeah. Right. We skipped up on top of the um, pump panel. If you're looking at it, there are the... Um, all the hose lines, all your pre-connected hose lines. They're called pre-connects. So usually there's at least three right there. There's two inch and three-quarter lines and one two and a half inch line. Sometimes there's more, uh, depending on your department and how your engines are set up. But we, were, we would have three... You'd have an inch and three quarter facing each direction, and then two and a half that was set up to go either way. And there's tons of different hose loads and methods you can do use to load them. We used uh, triple layer. That was best for us because the way it deploys when you pull it out um, makes it made it the most usable for us. But our preconnects were triple layers. And then sometimes the trash line, the thing I mentioned, is in the front bumper. Sometimes it's on that side, the passenger side, in the tray. There's a little tray there. Why are you going to call it the trash line? That's Because it's used to put out trash fires. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like a derogatory term towards that line. 
No, no. Like if you're if you're a big if you're an engine, like a this is a city engine, you pull up on a little grass fire, you're gonna use the trash line. If you pull up on a dumpster fire or just a pile of garbage burning, like that's what you're doing. It's called the trash line because hmm. you put out trash fires. Okay. Um, again, on this side, there's gonna be some more intakes and um, supply lines coming out, piping. You know, there will be caps on it, obviously, but it's where the hoses connect or to go in or out of the engine or the pump panel. And then you have another set of tools, spanners, a mallet, stuff like that. And then um, you could, you, some people have tools strapped there. Some of our guys used to strap a set of, oh, your ax and halligan together are called the irons. So you'd have irons strapped there or somewhere else. That sounds really cool when you say that. It is cool. It's cool to take those and just go destroy things. Go grab the irons. It's fun. Break stuff. Put the irons to them. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you're going back into the cab. Under that side of the cab, you're going to have another compartment or two that's just storage for whatever. Cribbing, a cooler, whatever your department sticks in there. Um, and then, oh, I also forgot this. Um, somewhere on usually that side, the passenger side, either in that high side compartment or in that medical compartment, there will be a few other boxes of random gadgets. Um, they, these can be in the cab or in those compartments are the most common place. Um, but there will be these random uh, odd things that people don't know firefighters carry on their rigs, um, usually some kind of meters for measuring um, gases. Hmm. Um, those are very, those are like... Radiation? you have any of those? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's that? What's the radiation? Meter? Geiger counter. Geiger counter. Or Geiger meter. Yeah. Um, and then those those are there's different varieties of those. Some are more advanced than others. Like there's just a little one that beeps. So we we have our engines. Like it just goes off if radiation is present. And then there's like the big fancy ones. Uh, and then there's um, uh, four gas meters that I forget what gases they pick, but it's the four most common. Some, of those, some engines carry those, and there's a CO meter, a message of carbon monoxide, or not message, measure the carbon monoxide. Do you guys also carry stuff for spills, like gas spills? Yeah, yeah, so you'll have some kind of powder or um, particulate, like some of them we, like kitty litters on a normal vehicle right. accident to soak up oil or whatever. Yeah. But then there'll be, you can have some other bags or buckets of powder. Those are usually up top, like where I said, the, those random storage compartments, are, those big bins. Um, you just dump it on gas stuff. You might have some, the big circular pads that float are called booms. You might have a couple of those to throw in a waterway if like there's a gas or oil leak into a water, because it, it, it floats on top of the water and it traps in the booms. Um, you have something like that. Usually that's a more advanced thing that's on a different unit, but some engines might carry a couple of those. Yeah, I mean, there's endless stuff we could talk about, but that's the basics. And then that's the basics. You have the stuff in your cab, your thermal imager. Oh yeah, those are cool. Your camera. I have used firefighters thermal imagers before. Yeah. Very handy. Yep. Usually the officer runs that. Um, Why might someone have that? Uh, this might be a good question. Do so when you go in a building and it's full of smoke, you can't see anything. But the thermal imaging camera, a tick, you can find bodies. Mm -hmm. Also, crash scenes. Yeah, you, ooh, that's yeah, another story. You can search crash scenes like out in the woods at night. You can look for people that were maybe ejected or thrown from the car. Um, super, also, super finding handy. fire it helps you understand where the heat is and where the fire oh, is. Yeah. Um, some of them even measure degrees and they're pretty accurate, like they're fairly accurate. 
so you can, it'll give you a readout of how hot it is. Um, definitely helps when you're in a building and you're going room to room or doing what, whatever you're doing. Um, like you can look, just scan a room real quick and see, all right, there's no fire there, move on, no fire. Like it helps like that too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and you can do lots of other things with those. Like when you're doing overhaul, like if you see a little bit of smoke, you can still smell or hear something, but you can't see it. It might be in a wall. You can just scan the walls and see Dang. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there's just, I don't know, man, there's endless gadgets. That was a lot. It is a lot, yeah. That was brain power exhausting. It was like an, that was almost an hour of gadgets. It was. Maybe we'll have to do your. We might have to separate these two. Yeah, we will have to separate these. I think these. so. Might not um, be as long. We don't have any as much cool yeah. stuff. And that some some units now even carry like bulletproof vests and others like riot gear. Or whatever. Tells me depends that you guys on. have to have that. It does. It sucks, but it depends on where you work, I guess. Uh, side note: Do the guys that are SWAT trained do they carry rifles or, or guns or do they just do medical? The ones are LAO can yeah. Yeah, they do. So they would like deputize them somehow. Yep. Yeah, if you, if you go through your, your state law enforcement course, you, you would be deputized into whatever agency you're working for. I know that uh, the SWAT team, not my department, but the county SWAT team where I worked, they had a doctor, like a full-fledged doctor that was yeah. SWAT trained. Yeah, I have a friend that does that in Oregon. And that's pretty cool. I would love, I mean, if you get shot, who better to be there than, hey, doc? Yeah, I don't know. It depends uh, on the doc, I guess. That's true. I would assume he's pretty high speed. Um, it should be if he's in that role, yeah. Yeah, I guess like a, a a very experienced medic would be just as good because they're probably down, I, down in I prefer trauma. a medic or yeah. a flight nurse. Because they deal with trauma constantly. Yeah, that's we can talk about that another day too. <clears throat> we always come up with more episodes when we have these talks. We do. But I've, I've seen medics and nurses more like more times than I can remember tell a doctor, hey, this is wrong, we need to be doing this. That's awesome. And be right. Because, I mean, really, they're in it more. Maybe an ER doc would see a lot of that. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, when, you, when you bring doctor. a patient into the ER and your medic's been working through the protocol, oh. and we've, we've had 20 or 30 minutes of time with this patient. Yeah. And the doctor, sometimes if they just don't have the whole picture yet or they don't know everything yet, but sometimes it's just they're, they're busy, they're flustered, or they're, or they're honestly, some are just not that good mm -hmm. um, at the outside, like the street medic stuff I'm not talking about good as a doctor I'm talking about there's a there's a difference between like you're in a hospital everything's comfortable medicine and life is ending stuff has to happen now medicine there's a difference yeah my, my buddy who's a uh, the flight medic I talked about he's he always talked about that like there's just like a down and dirty way to do it that yeah. works because it's been done yeah and then like the official way to do it and yeah and then the same with protocol changes like if, if it's a new doctor or somebody that hasn't worked ER in years like they don't it doesn't take away from their experience or their knowledge, but they don't know what's going on if they're new. Like, if you used to work in the ER and you went somewhere else and you came back, like, protocols change every year or two over and over and over. Things are way different. So, um, but I've seen lots of nurses and medics be like, uh, no, this is what needs to happen. And a good doctor will be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Good for them. Like, yeah. good, good for the doctor for yeah. not having an ego about it. Yeah, I mean, well, they know, like, they understand. And it, Usually it's, like I said, it's something to do with, um, it's not against the doctor, but when you're in that, when you're in that emergency situation every day, like that lifestyle and that form of medicine every day for years and years and years, you get really good at it. Um, and a lot of the ER doctors don't have that experience. Some do. Yeah. 
I don't want any ER docs to listen to this and be like, oh, screw those guys. But it's, you know as well as I do, there's good and bad doctors, there's good and bad medics, there's good and bad cops. So it's true. It is. Um, man, we didn't get to the animal stories either. No, no, I don't love to. I think we're going to have to do another episode, and I'll, I'll do mine, which will be probably shorter because we don't have as much cool stuff. And yeah, there's not as much stuff in a squad car. And then we can talk about the exploding horse. Exploding horses. Uh, yeah, we'll have to... Sorry to leave you hanging, folks, but... Oh, that, was a, that was a teaser that we <laughs> didn't a, intend to episode. do, but yeah. the day jobs are calling. They are. we got work to do. i got a whole list of stuff to do today. So, all right. Uh, that was cool. I, I hope people enjoy hearing about that because I learned a lot today, and I've been around fire trucks, but um, I learned a little bit. And you got to hear about me handling a firefighter's hose. Oh, yeah. Also, I want to put this in there, or out there. Um, a bunch of my old people I worked with listen to this. If I mess something up, it's been a long time, so you can shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, it'll be the same for when I do mine. Um, yeah, deal with it. Yeah, don't don't send me a message and say, hey, you idiot, that's not what was in that compartment, because you can go eat a bowl of poop. <laughs> Someone's going to send me that message anyway. Uh, I know who it is, too. <laughs> yeah, I got a few. I, I already <laughs> see it coming. So, all right, man. Good well, talk. That was fun. Darren, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We didn't babble too long about nothing. <laughs> well have a great week yeah see you bro bye hey everyone thanks for listening to this episode of copy that radio we hope you enjoyed it and where can you find us jared you can find us at copy that radio on instagram or anchor.fm slash copy that radio and also everywhere podcasts are hosted apple spotify stitcher google and all the other major platforms Fantastic. And if you're looking to relocate to North Idaho, please hit me up at my business, 108 Real Estate. You can find us on Instagram at 10, written out T E N underscore 8 Real Estate. And you can find me at Northland Strength on Instagram or at Northland underscore CDA. Those are my business and my wife's business. Well, thanks again. And we hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.